Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom is Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Before we get started, just a public service announcement that today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to their audiobooks whenever and whenever you want and get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. That's www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. Today we're joined by Emmanuel Dahl, who was uh, a child soldier in South Sudan and has lived to tell the story, particularly through his music. We're going to have an opportunity to speak with him and talk to him about his life story. Emmanuel Joe, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How's it going, sir? Excellent. Uh, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about your story and how you became to tell about it now? Well, you see, I come from South Sudan. And my country has been at war, so I was born in the difficult times. And I saw war robbing peace from my hometown and the war reaching to the core of my family. So all my aunties died during the war during that time, so including my mom was claimed by the war, all my uncles except to and uh, then later on, I was I, I was taken away from my home, so my dad sent me to join thousands of kids to walk to Ethiopia. Uh, a tough journey that a lot of children died of starvation, dehydration, and some were eaten by wild animals crossing the rivers. There were crocodiles that were ambushing them, and then... The hippopotamuses don't eat, but they kill people because they are territorial. And so we arrived in Ethiopia thinking it's a heaven that we're going to. But what was shocking is to see the devastation and frustration of children when you see six, seven years old burying their own dead. And then after a while, we went to school. And then later on, we got trained where I became a child soldier. And so I escaped uh, when I was 12. And, uh, and and I met a British aid worker called Emma McCune. And that was uh, part of my journey where the turning point began. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who may not understand the political history with South Sudan, which was formerly Sudan, uh, talk about what's been happening politically when you were held captive and, and now. 
Well, what actually happened was we had a, a government that was pro-Islamic and pro-Arabic. So they made the country to become an Arabic state, an Islamic state. So no other religion uh, is should be worshipped. So they were trying to push for one, one religion state. And the people from the South Sudan, they, they have Christians, they have non-believers, and they like their culture, their way of lifestyle. The resources come from South Sudan. Slavery was still being practiced. There was no equality and, and distribution of wealth and discrimination was high against the darker skinned people who mostly uh, from the South. The lighter skin you are, the system favored you. And most of the light skinned people think they're Arabs even though they look black. And so from that time when the tension was not managed and conflicts came on, a civil war broke out that took 2.5 million people in South Sudan. Some of them died as a direct result of the war, which broke out in 1983. Previously, people died too because there have been a couple of wars and sometimes they manage them, people go back to war. So South Sudan is now independent. But the sad thing that is happening now, our president has been possessed by the very demons that possess many dictators. So he decides to take away power from the people. And recently 20,000 citizens got killed in the capital city in South Sudan and the supervision of the government soldiers. And that led into a rebellion where the families members of those who got killed uh, decided to fight the government. And so now my country is at war again with itself. Mm -hmm. The United States um, usually plays a role internationally in these types of affairs. Uh, do you think that they've done enough in terms of humanitarian aid and, and sort of trying to intercede with the government there? I think, like, the American citizens need to question the government because the taxpayers' money was used to help South Sudan, you know? And now the situation in South Sudan can't be solved. And America's policy is about democracy. Now, we don't have democracy. There's no freedom of speech in my country. We have a situation where our president has got the power of God and he breaks the constitution. And it's like there are people who have right to kill and cannot be held accountable for doing that. And so now, with America helping South Sudan to become what it is, they can influence the country to become peaceful if they put more pressure, you know? Like, for example, what is killing us is the oil money because there's so much corruption. So now you have one point, you have one million people displaced. You've got thousands of people died during the war, you know? Uh, some of those atrocities are committed both by the government and the rebels. Then you have now a situation where half of the population in South Sudan 
is facing food danger. You know, they estimated like probably 50,000 children are going to die very soon if the world doesn't act in terms of getting them the food because they are not getting the right nutrients. So I have a question. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Go ahead, Dr. Sidney. Yeah, this is Dr. Sidney Davis. Uh, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm very pleased to meet you, Emmanuel. Uh, I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Um, uh, I want to, uh, just for a moment, um, talk about Sudan before South Sudan was made a state, when when there was just one Sudan. How would you um, characterize the population, the indigenous population of Sudan, the original inhabitants of Sudan? How would you describe them by people group, by language, and by religious faith? What is the demographics of the of, of the of um, Sudan? I would say a majority of uh, of Sudan in general. Before it's split, I say that the indigenous population is higher. It's uh, you know, it's like the majority, you know, the minority on the top knows how to manipulate the system and remains in power. You know, because they have the contacts and they have the money, and probably. But the people themselves. Money, what are the religious faiths of the people of the of the indigenous people of, of Sudan? Um, how how um, diverse is it? Do you have do you have Muslims? Do you have Christians? Or do you have animists? Uh, and what would be their their proportion relatively? If you know, if you were to combine uh, South Sudan and Sudan, you'll find you'll find you'll come to realize actually there are more Muslims than uh, Christians. So Muslim would be higher than Christians will follow. Than others. You know? Well, why would why would the why would the largely controlled government that are Muslim that are Arab want to attack and bomb and commit genocide upon their own co-religionists? Why would they want to do something like that? You see, the the thing is, if you look, if we go into reality, it's all about resources and control. So mostly, religion is used. For mobilization of people uh, to gather people, so the population of the country became more Islamic because uh, when they were on power, so to get a job, if you're not a Muslim, you can't get a job. So people converted so they could be able to get better jobs. So why are Muslims? Why are Muslims killing Muslims? Now, now. if part of the if part of the um, indigenous population, the Black Nuba, are Muslims, then why are they being attacked by the Janjaweed who are Muslims? Okay, I'll go to that. So what happened now is the Darfuris and most of the people from the Nuba or Kurdifans who became Muslim that united with the government and fighting the people in South Sudan, it took them a long time to realize that this is not about Muslims. So what happened is classes. A first class citizen is a Muslim Arab. 
And a second uh, class Muslim citizen, Arab, okay, all right. Yeah. A second class citizen would be their wife. And a third class would be an African who became a Muslim. I see. Yeah? Fourth class would be their wife. So the, the Darfuris are taken of, they are of higher class than people from South Sudan and, Chris, and Christians. So, but now, because their country has not been developed, their areas have not been developed, and they were used to fight to commit the atrocities. So the 2.5 million people that died in South Sudan, it's not just the Arabs that killed them. The Darfuris play a part in killing them. So now when Janjaweed turned against them and destroying them, and a rebellion that they formed, so now they allied themselves with South Sudan to try to help them fight their country, uh, fight for their independence. So, so, what did they, so what was the issue then? It's the issue, uh, do we see Bashir policy, not just one of, of a religious Islamic, uh, the establishment of a religious or Islamic state, is this policy based, if not entirely based, partly or entirely based on the fact that he's dealing with an indigenous black population? In other words, am I, I'm asking, is his policy based on racism? We call him a it's racist. Actually, you see, racism is used as a defense. You know, so the way I look at it is what they're interested in is resources, the land, you know, and manpower so that their work can be done easily. So when they came to South Sudan or in Sudan, they said they came from the mouth of God. So the land was given to them by God. So when they introduced Islam, people were really embracing Islam because it was a brotherhood. You know, you're hungry, you're given food, but they did not know the hidden agenda behind the leaders who are bringing it. So they joined it, so they became part of it. And you see, the problem is, this is how their population increased. If you're a Muslim woman, you cannot sleep with a non-Muslim. If you do, both of you get killed. So, but a Muslim man can sleep with a non-Muslim woman and the kids become Muslim. So the, ki the children who are killing their Africans are those who their fathers were Muslims and Arabs. So you we have what what, I mean? essentially we have then, this is really interesting, because essentially what we have, uh, see, in, in our country we have uh, a, a traditional policy that describes or, or that identifies a person as being black, and it's called the one-drop rule. If you have one drop of black blood, you are classified as black in this country. But it seems like in Sudan, if you have one drop of Arab blood, that makes you Arab in your country. As long as your dad is a Muslim and an Arab, and, and then you're a Muslim. They follow the, the, the African rule, where, where your father comes from, that's where you're from. Well, that's 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 their rule. I don't know if that's an African rule because an African rule is it's who your mother is that makes your identity. I believe that yeah. I believe that the I, I know that among the indigenous uh, primitive what we would call primitive um, um, people groups in Africa that.
matrilineal descent is of higher importance than patriarchal descent. Wouldn't that be the case? Mr. Jolly, still there? We might uh, be having some technical difficulties. Yeah, it sounds like something dropped, like a, a, um, a signal drop. We just got word that he's calling back uh, into okay. the show, so there was probably a disconnection of some sort. Great. Um, and uh, his Skype connection failed him, which is how he was uh, calling us. Okay, that's what happened yesterday. And uh, so we'll wait for him to get back on. And uh, in the last uh, maybe five, ten minutes or so, I don't know how much time he has. I know we usually schedule about 30 minutes. Uh, yes. I wanted to, uh, if you have any follow-up questions based on the conversation that dropped, no, you can. I, no, I don't have any follow-up questions. Uh, you know, this is this is for him to tell us, um, you know, the part that he is playing. Uh, I, I would only like to know how we can help him mm-hmm. and what we can do to bring more attention to what is happening in South Sudan and in Sudan generally. What can we do? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll wait until he gets back on. But uh, And I know that he has rap songs that he has uh, been promoting. Um, if we are not able to play them at the time of this broadcast, I'm sure when it's edited we can put that up. Uh, or maybe he'll be able to recite some of it to us. But I, I want to, in the last few minutes that we have, talk about the work that he's doing now to promote, as you said, his story. Uh, yes. And uh, see if we can have some kind of links or call to action for the viewers so that, uh, as you yeah. said, we can help him with the work that he's doing. I hate to interrupt, uh, Dr. Sidney. I'm glad you're on you too, Roy. But Emmanuel is back on the line. Thank you, Emmanuel, for making the effort to uh, reconnect with us. Oh, sorry about that, sir. I found another way to call in. It just cut off. No, that's fine. Uh, so what, what I want to do now is kind of fast forward a little bit uh, to in the time that we have left to talk about your rap songs that you've been promoting um, so that uh, we can get a sense of uh, where we can listen to that and, and, and put our reviews in that direction. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're saying uh, what? Yeah, I want, if you can, in the few minutes that we have left, uh, if you can talk about your rap songs that you've been promoting uh, and some of the ways that you're trying to promote uh, the message of what you've experienced. Well, the latest song now I've done is called My Power. So basically saying my power is I speak truth to power. So, and uh, it's a song that uh, I have done with Nile Rogers, if you know Nile Rogers. So it's it's basically to mobilize people to understand they have power to speak truth to power. And what is their power? It could be your art, it could be writing, it could be whatever way. And so, and uh, I have an album coming out called The Key, and the proceeds of that uh, album is going to go to an enterprise to help fund entrepreneurs start small businesses, uh, in mostly in East Africa. So we're beginning in a small place, and if it becomes big, then we can... Uh, and. Uh, from other African countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Sidney actually brought up a great question um, about what people can do uh, to help with what's going on in South Sudan. He was talking about black celebrities coming out and being more vocal. Um, aside from supporting you, which we will encourage our listeners to do, uh, what can we do collectively to support what's going on in South Sudan? 
I mean, first I want to congratulate you guys for recognizing that uh, we are one people and uh, speaking out on that radio to see cutting the footstep of uh, Martin Luther King and all those heroes that fought for for equality for all human beings, you know. So and it's difficult, there's this disconnect between a lot of African-Americans or Caribbeans and Africans, but the wise ones are able to to connect and create a situation where they begin to help themselves out. What is happening now in Africa, or especially in South Sudan, if there's a way that is communicated into to the black celebrities, because sometimes it's about reaching the message to them, they are caught out in their own game. If you look there is uh, Forrest Whitaker just went to South Sudan and came out, and he's, he can't believe what he saw, that people are living in a terrible condition inside a camp. They're scared to come out because their government is waiting to kill them, you know? So, and he said, like, it's worse. Some of the people are saying the situation happening in South Sudan now is actually worse than the way it was in the Civil War because... It's it's created in a situation that millions of people are going to be starved and just because their government want to clink uh, on power, you know. So speaking out, the way I normally do it, I believe in this way. When you put a spotlight in a dark place, the evil will perform less. So when we create conscious awakening, it's like we're putting light into the dark place. Now we have more conscious awakening than than it was a long time ago. We have human beings that look at themselves as human. You know, mm-hmm. they don't put themselves, oh, I'm black, I'm white. They care about justice, equality, and freedom for all. And right. so the, to, to correct things now is much easier. And if you could look at one of the biggest statements that the world has seen is Obama in the White House. He may not help black people. But the point that he made that he's able to convince middle young people of all colors, of all ages, say, look, don't look at my color. There's something I can achieve that is in me. And that's what took him to the White House. He didn't go to White House because he's black. He went to the White House because there's something he can bring at this stage to take America forward. And so those kind of people, if with that kind of conscience at the same people, if we reach to, they will help stop these atrocities. If you look at um, the Darfur situation, what saved Darfur was students in universities, in high schools, who stood out and managed even to convince George Clooney. And I'm getting other people involved. Look, there's a killing going on here. It happened. 2.5 million people died in South Sudan, and the Darfuris are going to are going to die. And so they kept them on the media. So now it reduced the situation that would have been worse. Janjaweed would have continued if there was no awareness about what Janjaweed was doing. They would have wiped that place out completely. And so, and, and I see like awareness, there's a response to human beings who consider themselves global citizens. Because now if you look at the atrocities that are happening now back home, 
They're economical, black killing themselves on small things. We are fighting over bones while other people are eating the flesh. And we don't want to ask where the flesh is. You know, it's like that dog. You throw a piece of bone, then they're going to fight over it. And then they become almost like trained dogs where they go and hunt, bring the animal. Then their, their master eat the animal and give them bones, and they fight over the bones. So that's the way, poetically, that's or metaphorically, that's the way I look at it back at home now. Very powerful statement. Uh, Dr. Sidney, do you have any more questions? Um, what can, uh, can the, is, is the government, is our government, is the United States doing enough in the way of humanitarian aid to help the um, situation in Sudan and the South Sudan? Um, I know that as we speak, the Nuba are being bombed into the Nuba Mountains. The policy of um, genocide is still being waged against them. They don't have it. The Janjaweed have a new name. They don't call them the Janjaweed anymore. It's some special unit within the um, Sudanese armed forces who have been uh, hired almost like mercenaries to continue their attacks upon the Darfurians and displacing many of them into uh, fleeing into Chad and, and other places. Can the can the United States, what can the United States do, or are they doing enough to help? Um, well, the, no, last word I got, the last word I got from, from uh, the people on the ground is that there's no, uh, there's no uh, humanitarian aid. The children are not only dying from starvation, they're dying from sickness. Um, and that there's no one on the ground. The UN are powerless to protect them from the attacks. What can we do not only to bring more attention to this, but what can we do? What can this government do to relieve this? The government is trying the best to use through the peace situation. But the situation that happened in South Sudan has made it worse for Darfur. Wow. I mean, now Darfur will will not achieve their goal and the Nuba Mountains people because you see what happened is the president of South Sudan killed 20,000 Nuer civilians in the capital city. Oh, my. In Juba, recently. And the other people are covering him in, so he's not being held accountable. So, you know, you have uh, some, some politician in America still calling him legitimate. Because mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. happened is the situation he created, he fabricated a coup so he could silence his political opponent, that we're asking for accountability and transparency in the country. There's so much corruption. Mm. And so what he did is because he said, if these people are going to be alive, I'm going to be out. So he created a situation to try to fool the world that there was a coup in South Sudan. Mm. And the international mm. community said there's no coup. So in that process, according to the community data, they're saying 20,000 where people were killed under supervision, you know, oh where under supervision of the government forces in the presence of the Ugandan army, where you go to the houses and collect women and children, and situation that happen is where other have stories where women are forced to eat their children just to terrorize. So, My. and what that happened is the survivors. Even my sisters, I, I lost 60 people from my family. Two of them are my brothers. 
phone calls calling everybody, hey, we're getting killed, I'm getting chased. If I don't survive, just know they've killed us. So you have their family members who are in U.S. or all over the world talking to their family members getting killed. And then you, one of my brothers heard his brother being shot on phone. Lord. You know? These are very, these he, are very he, terrible real-life human tragedies. This is the current president of South Sudan. This happened, and nobody's talking about it. The Ugandan army comes in. So now you have this situation, something called the White Army, if you've heard about White Army. So the White Army are civilians in the village from that specific tribe that the people got killed in. So they rallied themselves and fought with the government. I see. You know? And some of the SPLA soldiers defected and said, look, why are you killing civilians? And that's why there's war now. So, I see. And because we, need, we need to know from you, we need to know from you, Emmanuel, because we don't have much time left. How can we buy your, your record? And where, do you have a website or are there any websites that you can recommend to us that can give us more information about what you're telling us and about your music? What I'm, uh, to find more information, you can go to wewantpeace.org. But what I want to explain is there is an ethnic cleansing now in South Sudan where you have the Darfuris rebels fighting for the government of South Sudan. You have got uh, the rebels, seven rebel groups with Ugandan army and, the U- and, Sudan, and South Sudanese army fighting one tribe. Wow. That's what is happening in South Sudan. Wow. And so if you look at it, they're trying to find a way. And those people come from the oil fields. And when you hear about 4 million people about to starve, it's just 80% of that are from that one tribe. So, and that is what is happening now. Can you tell us something about your documentary? Um, I know I asked you about how we can get your record. Um, Just repeat that again and tell us about your documentary. Sorry, bro, because I was more concerned about the people uh, than uh, the documentary is uh, is uh, it's called War Child, so you can get it on Amazon, or if you want to find, you can go to gutwitch dot com, dot com. They can find information on how to get my music or how to get uh, the documentary. We, you know, I so much appreciate uh, having this opportunity to talk with you. We, 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 you know, it's because of the time that we want to try to get as much information uh, comprehensively as, as, we, uh, as possible because we know the great burden that you have for your people and, um, you know, um, we've, uh, we've been privileged to have you to share that with us. And I want to thank you for uh, enlightening us um, about what is happening there. Thank you for the work that you have done. And I want to thank you for living a victorious life that you can share with us to help us to become aware and to see the, um, you know, just what the uh, nobility of the human spirit is. I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you for making. We can connect another time. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you all.
Just because your army gives you strength, gives you mind. 